We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by zonecoverage.com and the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Today is Tuesday, April 16th, and we are joined by longtime friend of the podcast, Dave Benz, the play-by-play voice of the Timberwolves. What's we, up? We are such slaves to the machine. Like, you, you had to tap the phone to find out the date. Like, I'm right Well, there don't sell you. me out like that. There's no video here. I, I did. Well, I don't know. How do you... The date? What the date? No, uh, yeah, yeah, I get it. Well, although yesterday was tax day. There you go. And Jackie Robinson Day in baseball. That's true. So, but I would not have... Uh, and my, <laughs> my, my brain is so far gone. Yeah, I need I need my phone like everybody else. What is what is your life like now? We are six days removed from the Timberwolves season ending. Um, well, day one of the season being over is always really weird because it's always like you know you're going a thousand miles an hour. Yeah. The next game is coming, and then all of a sudden, boom, you fall off a cliff, and there's no more games on the schedule. It's it, I always tell people it's like a little mini retirement. I can understand why people have issues with retiring because you wake up one day, and yeah. what am I going to do now? And I go through that every season. It's been a, it hasn't been quite as jarring yet this year because um, Fox has worked me in on doing a handful of Twins games this year. In fact, I'm working the Twin Series that's going on in town right now against the Blue Jays. Um, and between that and traveling back to California to spend some time with my son and my uh, father is coming in this week to Minneapolis and I'm going back to New York with him and then I'm actually going to be going back to California for a week then I'm going to Naples, Florida to work a pickleball Jeez. tournament for CBS Sports Network and then I'm going to <laughs> Rome for my first ever trip to Europe uh, which I'm turning 50 in May so I am wow. uh, treating myself to a little vacation. I've not really honestly like 
I haven't taken a legit vacation since I took the Timberwolves job. I mean, I've had like, you know, maybe, maybe two nights in Vegas or two yeah. nights in Miami or whatever, yeah. but I haven't had a legit, like I'm going somewhere for, for you. an extended period of time. And my sole purpose of going is for a vacation and I'm going to Rome and I'm uh, going to bounce around to Italy and go to Naples or uh, yeah, go to Naples and Florence and the Amalfi coast and, Fired up to uh, see something, see see places where civilization civilization has existed for right. more than just a couple hundred years. That all sounds awesome. The one thing I'm thinking of is you took what forty plus fl flights this year across oh, yeah. the country, back and forth. <laughs> and so vacation's free, man. Yeah. He's got the hotels. He's got the flights. Well, that was, yeah, no, no, I, I wish that, that was true. That's <laughs> that's not true at all. We get no points. We get no points for the hotels. And, and listen, I'm not about to complain. I mean, a flying charter is definitely the way to go if you can do yeah, it, right. but we don't get any miles for flying charter. You can't charter. take the team plane? Be like, hey, we're going to Italy, man. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, the, 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 hook it up. Give me the charter flight over to Italy. Yeah, that would be great. No, did, that's not Did you happening. listen to the... Uh, the J.J. Raddick podcast with Chris Paul. Did either uh, of you guys hear no, that? No. It was just, I mean, those two guys were just, like, going off about the the rigors of travel immediately, like, after playing a game and your body's just juiced yeah. up, obviously. And, like, J.J. kind of shared he had, like, some trouble with, like, relying on, like, sleeping kind of pills uh, and ways I to be able to do that, to be able to shut down. He's like, because... I would get uh, how, in and how? then it'd be like 5 a.m. before I would go to bed like every night. Like he's like, it wasn't healthy. Yeah. How quick do they travel right at? It's like right after the game, right? Well, it's, it depends on where yeah. you're going and what the schedule is. But most teams prefer to get out of town right after the game is over. I'm The last game of the year, I remember in the locker room, the, the last home game last Tuesday, it said 1030 flight. Well, the board, the well game because that was at, a back to back yeah. in Denver. So the team had to go. Um, so. You know, the sleep, the sleep scientists and sleep doctors, they've done studies, and they'll try to be like, okay, this is a game where we should stay over, and this is a game where right. we should travel. Um, like Miami stayed over after they were in town, and they were going to play Toronto, and they stayed over after the game, and their sleep doctors had said, no, this is a game where we should stay, and they're talking to their team. So uh, they're trying to put some science behind it. Uh, listen, the, the sleep aids – I mean, I admit I, I, I will uh, need to use some of those during the course of the course of a season. I mean, it's it's the mm -hmm. it, it's the dark side of what you do. It's like, OK, you're getting to a hotel room in Milwaukee at three in the morning and you've been traveling and, you know, you can't just kind of lay down and go right to sleep. But that 9 a.m. conference call is coming up in six hours and it's like. You know, do I want to take a sleep aid to help me get some sleep or do right. I want to toss and turn for an hour and a half and then get four hours of sleep and feel, you know, tired all day? Um, so Because then you're up the next night doing yeah, the game until right, 10 right, or whatever. Right. So it's, you know, it, it, it's not an easy life. And, you know, uh, people look at, oh, you're staying in the Four Seasons and you're flying on these charters. And, yes, that's true. Mm -hmm. And there is a very attractive and wonderful side to what we – I mean, I, I get to be at a very low rung of the ladder for what – the players go through, but I get to be on the same plane and be in the same hotel. Um, and you know, th th there's a very attractive side to it, but it it's not an easy life. And it, you know, and, and to be able to come down, I watched a, a documentary a few years ago, uh, on John Bon Jovi. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that probably it's even 
the players are probably closer to this than I am, but you know, uh, you know, Jim and I, we have to be on for a couple hours and our adrenaline is going and, you know, and I'm not in any way, shape or form saying I'm anything close to what John Bon Jovi would feel, but yeah. you know, they followed him going to a show at the show. And then after the show and after the show's over, he gets in a, in a, you know, SUV and gets taken back to the hotel and he's sitting in the hotel room and he's looking at the camera and he's like, okay, 30 minutes ago, I was standing on a stage and 50,000 people were screaming for me. And now here I am in a hotel room by myself and I'm supposed to go to sleep. Like, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a, it is Your a body crazy, doesn't work like, yeah, that. it's just, it's a crazy life yeah. to have to go through. I was, I was just thinking about it from like the sense of coworkers. So like, you know, you kind of like hit a point with your coworkers where you're like, I don't want to really be around you like anymore. We've already spent eight, 10 hours together. What, what are you saying? <laughs> um, <laughs> Jess and I are cool. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm like, okay, so now it's late at night and I'm trapped on a plane with you. Maybe less so for you, but like for the players, I feel like. Well, especially if it's a bad loss. Like you got to imagine like J.R. Smith and LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> Something like know? that. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I don't know. I could just, I could see maybe not the Timberwolves, but some teams just almost frequently like things boiling up on the plane and. I think that's only human nature, just like the sleeping thing is human nature, too. Like, I don't know. I, well, that's why I think it's so important, you know, and, and some coaches are better at this than others. But I think it's so important to build that chemistry off the court so that you genuinely like somebody because things are going to go wrong during the course of the season, you know. And whether it's something that happens on the court or whether somebody's dealing with, hey, you know what, they got a newborn at home and. Uh, you know, their wife is calling them and, and complaining that, you know, she's just right. sleep deprived and the baby's been screaming all night. And, you know, I, I, I hate this life that you're in and, you know, whatever. I mean, all, uh, people are dealing with personal stuff. They're dealing with stuff on the court. So to build those relationships and genuinely have, you know, a, 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 a brotherhood family. and yeah. a family, that is so huge for what you're talking about when you're going through those things. Because you do, you spend a lot of time together. You know, for me personally, that's why I'm very fortunate. The crew that we travel with, I mean, from Jim Peterson to Marnie to Leah B to Dave Dittman, our director, and Vanessa Lambert, our producer, and Mike, awesome Mike Me, our graphics guy. Like, we all really, really genuinely like like one another. We all spend a lot of time together. We like being around one another. And, I mean, if there was somebody in that mix that you did not have an affinity for, it would make it really difficult. Right. Let's let's jump on that chemistry thing because obviously the the buzzword around the team, obviously in the forty two Ryan games, particularly at the end, is culture and all this and that. And if I'm being honest, I think it's you know in ways like a a narrative and and something that you're trying to pump. But at the same time, I do see it, and I see something completely different in the interactions of the players and the time that I'm around them. I sure you see that too. I guess. Because what the, the other side of the equation will say is, okay, you guys can all be best friends, but if you're giving up 140 points per game, like, who cares? Right. You know, but I, I think it's it's going to be interesting, assuming that Ryan is back next year, to to see what that sort of chemistry and that sort of culture does do as far as a transition on onto the floor. And I'm, I do think I'm with you that you need that. And they were miles away from that and earlier in the season. And I mean, that, it, that, that's, a, that's euphemistic to say they yeah. were miles away from it. I mean, it was, listen, the way, the way last season started was just 
I, I mean, it's been well documented. It yeah. was it was less than desirable. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And it was, who wants to die today? Yeah, yeah. yeah you're, 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 me that. you're yeah. referencing the the uh, Bleacher Report video, um, oh my God. which was which was pretty which was pretty crazy. Um, Were you at practice that day? I, no. Well, I no, was like because, in the media no, because room there. Th that was, that was, we, we oh, weren't allowed to practice. Right, right, right. So, you know, I mean, that's, and, but the whole thing with the culture, yeah, and I get it. And I've had people tweet at me since the season has ended that, you know, we're all apologists for Ryan. Oh, and, yeah. Every day. and, you know, that, oh, how could we be so hard on Tibbs? He got it, you know, he ended the playoff drought. And, Less of that. <laughs> and it's, and, and, you know, the bottom line is, yes, what Tibbs did was fantastic in terms of ending the playoff drought and helping to try to build a culture of winning. But at the end of the day, the, the, the there was, it was joyless. It was mm -hmm. joyless basketball, and it was so tough to be around. It was everybody from the players to the coaching staff to the front office was walking on pins and needles yeah. every single day, and it was just such a difficult environment to be in. So uh, was uh, I don't know that it was sustainable. And then on top of that, you know, I mean, the guy who you basically had picked to come in decides, you know what? Um, what was it? This this same, what was wants it? to die today? No, 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 no. What was what was Jimmy's <laughs> oh. quote? What was Jimmy's quote? This uh, this ain't it. This, oh, this shit ain't it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was gonna I'll let you say it, <laughs> but. Um, so it was, it, that was tough. And so you hope, you know, Ryan's talking about, and we'll see whether or not it comes to fruition. Ryan's talking about guys being around this summer and being here and spending time together, you know, working together on the court, doing their workouts together. And it, whether or not that will happen, that certainly did not happen last year. Nobody wanted to be around. The, and, and you hope that this, that that is going to be a change mm -hmm. and that that can build something and, and you know, build some chemistry. Um, and, you know, and I think about it like this, Minneapolis, like as someone who I, I, I don't know how many people know, but I've been kind of back and forth because my son lives in California year round. So I spend the majority of my off season back in California, which is disappointing for me because the times that I do come back here during the summer, it's like, wow, this is it's such a different a, world. Yeah. It's such yeah. a different world. It's such a great place. It's such a vibrant city. But when you're only here or the majority of your time that you spend here is during the winter months, it is, you get such a different viewpoint of what it is like to and be And that's what here. it is for all the players. Yes, and that's what they it is for the players. They don't come here at all right. in, so, in the summer. So to have them be here in the summer and have them see the other side of it and see what life is like here, uh, I think that that, you know, there can be a benefit to that that I don't think can be discounted. You know who an interesting one with that was, was Nemanja Bielica, who his early years of his career, he traveled back out of the country or it wasn't here at all. And then I think it was once he had his child, they decided to stay here in Minnesota. And, and he said afterwards, he was like this, <laughs> I, I had no idea that this is where this was. I, I love like raising my family here. And I thought like, if you had asked me my first couple of years in the league, like, could I ever see myself buying a home here? Like, no way. It just was like, it was a place to go to work. But I feel like so few people end up having that experience. It, it is until they have kids. And I think about Anthony Tolliver talking about that this year and being like, that was part of the reason I wanted to come back. I had no problem raising my kids here. Like I know Minnesota is great. or no taxes as you exactly. made very clear. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I think also the twins specifically have always said they don't have trouble recruiting players. It is a smaller market and all that stuff or a midsize market. But when you're here in the summer, 
you'll forget about the first month of the season when it might snow, right, right or whatever. Um, so I think that's smart. I mean, it's also the players could work out together in Los Angeles. I still think that would build yeah. chemistry or whatever. I think that's a good point. It's just about spending time together. Right. Like, ideally, it's here at Mayo Clinic or whatever, but <laughs> the other teams are doing that. The other teams are working with each other, at least in small I, groups over the course of the summer, and if you don't have that. I think to the playoff point, and this goes to team chemistry, if that same result, you still are out as the eighth seed, but it's Zach Levine as opposed to Butler, and I I know Levine's an inferior player or whatever, but the storyline is completely different, right? It's three friends that went to the playoffs together. This is the youth movement. It's finally manifested in a playoff appearance. You hope there's a you know, forward trajectory where – it seemed like people are just like, this is the limit of what they can be, even though they were in the three seed with a healthy Butler. Butler hasn't stayed healthy. The players don't like him. Tibbs just is kind of grading on everybody. I, You know, there may be people. I think there's Tibbs defenders, but at least from what we've seen, they tend to be people from, from Chicago who remember, you know, the, the Tibbs Bulls. Right. I, I don't know how many people who are like longtime Bulls fans really thought, you know, this would work or, or still defend him to this day. Well, <laughs> If they do. <laughs> well, listen, yeah. hey, you missed I'll, a lot. The, the ovation that Ryan got in his first home game, mm-hmm. I mean, that was, that spoke volumes. To, you know, and, they, and that's to actually fans that are there. And, and not, you know, it's, it's tough because, you, you know, we're on social media so much that it's, you know, but you got to realize when you're looking at social media, you're looking at like, what, like 1% of what the opinion really is? And, and or the of the people, people who comment too. Like yeah. there, there's also plenty of people on social media who don't, yeah, passive observers. Right. Yeah, like, sure. Yeah. Um, for for me, the thing like th- that I look at with Ryan is it is good to see that he's he's supported by the community and like that's obvious. But I look at what he did for Cat as his biggest. Flag and what about to fly. what? What did he, look how great Andrew did at the end of the year? Like, mm-hmm. a, I mean, it was a different player, and I know people are going to look at it because it was you know we're, we're calling that about, player Andy. Right. We're talking about a 10 game stretch, you know, so yeah, there were, you know, the first 70 games out of those first 70, like, you know, what did maybe a half a dozen that you were like, wow, the, the, this is really a max guy. Mm-hmm. But the last 10 games was a nice thing to build on. Can that carry over into next season? Because With G2. Huh? G2. Yeah, and say. G, and G. But I mean, at the end of the day, Andrew's the X factor with yeah, this that's team. True. That's true. Because he's, he's under contract for four more years. At a very high salary, and you know, can you get him? I, I can he get himself to be an all star? I don't know. Can you get him to at least be an above average player mm-hmm. on a consistent nightly basis? And if you can, I think that changes the trajectory of this team. Absolutely, it, it's the the with him and what I've been saying with him and with Gorgie, it's like. You don't need to look at it like, are you earning all of your contract? Are you instead, are you proving that you are an above average player? Because if if you it is that, then yeah, maybe you're like, okay, you're maybe a couple million dollars or even ten million dollars less than what your contract is quote unquote worth. But at least you're a positive impact exactly. on the team. It's not burdensome. It's not right. the same like burden. I, I think about Shabazz Muhammad. They they offered him a four-year, $40 million contract that he didn't accept, and now he has proven to not be an NBA player. So that is like, had he signed that, that's a completely sunk cost. Not an NBA player, therefore worth $0, not the 10 a year. That's not the case with Wiggins or Gorgie, in my opinion, is that they both can be, and Andrew at a higher level, can, can be a starting caliber player. I think that's possible. And I think Gorgie can be a rotation player. 
Therefore, it's a at worst a half sunk cost, and that's not the absolute end of the world. It hurts that you have multiple of them, and you want to be able to build and put things around cat, but to to like look at the wolves' salaries and say they're completely ruined because of it, that's just too simple. It, that, that's that's too they, simple. They also save money on Covington. Arguably, if Cat doesn't make All NBA, he's actually going to be worth more than his contract. I mean, that, Dario. I yeah, there's there's not NBA contracts aren't fair. I mean, that, that's at the end of the day, it's the leverage you have in the moment. Mm-hmm. And Gorgie yeah. benefited from that. And there, I'm like Jimmy Butler, for example. In some ways, the you know the cap spike was a bummer for him because he didn't make what he probably was worth. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what though, Gorgie like. I've, is he making more than probably what he should be based upon what his numbers are and contributions to the team? Uh, I don't think anybody would would you know say that that's not yeah. the case. But I mean, there's not a nicer guy on that team. If anybody on that team is going to be getting overpaid, I'm fine with it It'd being be Gorky Jang because it all is going overseas. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. he is doing awesome. It, it's it, cool to talk to the other players about that, and they're like, I don't think people understand like everything that Gorgie's doing like he is they are he is so admired by his teammates for like the person that he is and and so yeah I'm 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 totally with it. very separate conversations right. of like right I mean so he was up for a contract extension at a perfect time like of course you're gonna take every dollar you can get it's not like on him right he, like, won, he won the timing lottery good for him yeah exactly exactly um I do I want to Looping back to Cat a little bit because I, I went through and well, I was I was talking I was watching the Sixers Nets game with my friend last night and I was like oh, Dave Benz play by play voice of the Timberwolves is going to come on the pod tomorrow and he's like what are you guys going to talk about? I was <laughs> like, what do you mean the season ended five days ago like uh, basketball the Timberwolves like we could we could talk about that right? He's like oh yeah it just feels like you know, the season was so long and now it feels like. It's been months since the Wolves played. I'm like, it was five, literally five days ago. <laughs> yeah, I know it was a weird year. But so what that got me thinking about was the Wolves in the playoffs last season, which I think the obvious line to draw, if you think about that, is how much Cat struggled. And I, he averaged 15 points a game, two assists, 27% from three. Like, it was... It was really bad. Eight points in the first game, five points in the second well, game. Well, and the I volume mean, was, of shots. I mean, but but not all of that is on Cat. I mean, no, I'm a not. A lot it, of that is on is on Tibbs. Well, that's Tibbs. where I was going. You know, yeah. I mean, and and Cat talked about that. I mean, the, the way that Tibbs used him in the playoffs. I mean, he, he was an afterthought, mm-hmm. and everything was designed around Jimmy. And I know, and we'll get back to Cat. But I, I said yeah. this. I said I would say this because we talked about it on the air. You know, Jimmy got carte blanche. And the thing that frustrated me with everything that happened last year more than anything was the end of game one of that playoff series. Timberwolves have the ball down three yep. and a chance to – and they, they, they've mounted this comeback. They've got a chance to maybe get a three to tie it. And Jimmy dribble, 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 step back long two at the buzzer. And, like, there was never – he was never called out on it. Like, how are you taking a long two – at the buzzer down when you're three. down three, I just it, it it was it was mind blowing to me that that just that that was okay. Well, you know, on to the next. He, it's, it was a trend too throughout the season. I think it was what 0 for eleven at ten seconds or less. It lost in Brooklyn. I remember. But this there, one yeah. was particularly bad because yeah, yeah. even if you make it, you still lose. Right. It's just what's the point? Ter- I mean, it was terrible management. And I remember the next day after that, they practiced at Rice University. Were you there? 
Uh, yeah, at, yeah. At Rice University there, I remember. And he asked Tiz about it. It was just totally. Totally blew it off. Totally blew it Like, and because it wasn't, it, it like came at him like two or three times because it's not just local media there. It was like, I think like Dennis Scott or something was like, well, you know, if, if even if Jimmy makes that, like you still lose the game. And, and Tibbs was like, oh, you know, I mean, we, we drew up an action and we tried to, you know, try right. to do the play. I mean, it's just like, come on, man. That's just bogus. I, I, I I think, and, and, and I think the equivalent, had, if, if, you know, someone else had taken that shot, I, 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 I don't think that they would have gotten yeah, the pass. Andrew Wiggins or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they'd have gotten the pass. I think it's interesting in that game that they only lost by three. Andrew Wiggins was their leading scorer with 18 points. I think Derrick Rose was pretty good in that game too, wasn't he? I think Derrick Rose was, was good. I think he had 17. But they almost beat in Houston in game one the Rockets where their leading scorer is Andrew Wiggins. Cat scores eight points. Jimmy isn't totally healthy. Like that that's crazy. Only two players on the team shot over 50% in the game. Taj, four for six, and Gorgie, two for three. Like, how? I don't even know. I need to go back and watch. Like, how are they in that? I, 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 a quick aside on this. It's amazing. You needed your phone to look at the date, but you're pulling these numbers <laughs> off the top yeah, of your yeah, head. Yeah. Well, I looked them up yesterday in my head. I didn't, I didn't, didn't look, look up the, the date. date yesterday. Yesterday. No, they're in your head. Yeah, yes. They're, 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 they're ready, like, somewhere accessible. But I, I just, it was a weird series. Like, I, I went through and kind of went, like, you know, just pulled up basketball reference and looked at the boxers. I'm like, they were, like, in, they were in these games and... And not thinking about it through the lens of, you know, the Rockets totally just blew out the Jazz in, in game one of this series. And I was like, were the Wolves, like, that far away from from beating the Rockets last year? I mean, it only went five games. I get that. But you, you do have Jimmy, who wasn't 100%. Cat scored eight points in the first game, five points in the second game, which he didn't do literally the whole year this year. Like, he he averaged he I wrote this down. This isn't from my head. He averaged 15 points in the playoffs because because he started scoring in the last few games. Right. Under Ryan in 17 in 37 games, he only scored under 15 points twice. That was his average in that series. And the two games are the Philly blowout, it, the 42 point loss in Philadelphia, and then I think that last Miami game of the season where I think Cat was just well apparently hurt and had had ran out of gas. So it just. I think the the greatest like nugget of optimism that Timberwolves fans have, whether it's Ryan or whoever, Cat is going to be used infinitely better than he was under Thibodeau, because in Tibbs's eyes, I think he definitely viewed Cat as a talent, but for one reason or the other, he did not see him as someone to run the offense through, and I just think that is is terribly misguided. And I I don't know like what is like what did that even what does that even come from like just that you like having an isolation Jimmy Butler player like is was it just personal preference there, I don't there understand is, there is some of that I think there was a force of will with Tibbs that he was like I'm gonna get my way even if everyone else is telling me I'm wrong and then he trusted the guys that won in Chicago for him I think that was a big big part of it and why he. He kept bringing those guys back. I think there's a third component as possibly as well. And again, we're all just throwing darts because who yeah. knows what was really going on. But because he didn't you know, he, he also is president of basketball ops. I mean, you know, probably was hoping that, hey, Jimmy's my guy. I can, you know, entice Jimmy to want to be here long term. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I think that that can't be discounted as as being a factor either. I yeah, I think it just I th- no, I think that's a huge point. That he probably knew Butler was so so on the, the the whole thing, and that he 
We saw what happened with Hoiberg, that he can kind of just uproot himself, and he may do that again in Philadelphia, right? right. He may just go somewhere else next year. But it, it seems like Saunders knows he's got to hitch his wagon to Cat because he's a star player. He's got to try to get Wiggins going because otherwise he gets cents on the dollar. And that's, again, he's not the president of the team. Like It's not like he's really hurting himself. He's just kind of doing a solid to whoever the GM or president would be. Yeah. And then he knows you got to have the bench involved because those may not be the best players, but famously Tibbs just seemed to dismiss them. And then you have all sorts of problems, whether it's <laughs> I'm Stretch about- Aldrich or like, you know, players that don't feel like they're part of the team. I'm thinking about Game of, game of Zones again. <laughs> it was really well done. We watched it, and I was like, it's almost two on point. It- well, the reason I asked you about were you there is because that was like right before the season. So I, I was at the practice. I mean, not in the practice. You were at the at the at the post Scrum. practice sound uh, availability. Yes, and and then I was just sitting in the media room, which is literally like connected right to the floor there. Yeah, you can before, hear the balls dribble and well, some yelling. Yeah, yeah, so it was just funny. It was me and John Krasinski just sitting there. I was like writing a preseason story of something, you know, and all of this scene is unfolding. Literally, the wall away from me and I had absolutely you didn't know about the goat and the, <laughs> and the chariot wheels the muffin off. boy yeah. <laughs> oh my god anyways anyways um I I think an interesting part of when we talk about the the playoffs is I I, I wrote some things before the playoffs happened being like you know I understand it'd be great to to break the playoff drought but if the Wolves do not make the playoffs, they get to keep their pick, which I was like, you know, that might be a lot of value to have two first-round picks rather than just the Josh Okogie pick. And I I kind of changed my mind after the playoff series where I was like, okay, that seemed to be really beneficial for this group. But now I feel like I'm, I'm starting to, like, waver again Maybe that's just a product of kind of how this season played out, whatever, whatever. But I don't know. How, how Dave, how do you quantify that value of having that experience last year for whether it's Cat, Wiggins, Tyus, whoever? Well, first of all, let's address the draft part because as we're doing this, I'm pulling it up. And so let's just assume the Timberwolves don't move up in the draft because they historically never move yes. up in the draft. Hopefully that changes this year, and I like to believe the fact that they actually tried to win all the way to the end um, and put a priority on that versus mm-hmm. priority on play on, on draft positioning that maybe the good karma might finally help sure. the team. But, you know, so so they would have been, you know, they would have been picking 13th or 14th. They would have the Denver pick, which was the, Michael, the, Michael, Michael Porter. Porter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, my, I, I mean, I guess would they have taken Michael Porter? I don't know. But, uh, you know, it, 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 I guess time will tell. But I, I don't think that – I think that winning to get in was absolutely the right thing. And, you yeah. know, and, and having that playoff experience and now you know what that landscape does look like, I don't think there's, there's any replacement for that. And even though the team didn't get here get there this year, you know, hopefully they get back next year and they can draw on that and you've still got your cornerstones and, and Andrew and Carl to have gone through that to know what that is like. And, and also for the fans, I mean – you know, it, it was um, that game 82 against Denver. That was, you know, that was a game I don't think people are going to forget for a long time. I I, I agree. And I, I, I do think that the experience was there. But as I'm sitting there yesterday prepping for this, I think about it and I go, okay, so you would have Michael Porter Jr. and Josh Okogie. I, who knows? Maybe you're able to trade one of those for something for another player. Maybe you're able to get off a contract. You don't want to. The pick rolls over to this season where now they miss the playoffs again. So you get to keep the pick again. 
it's the, they only lose the pick once they make the playoffs. So they don't have that. So you roll it over again until next year. Now next year, like, are the Wolves going to make the playoffs? I don't, right now I would say, like, pretty close to 50-50. I think they could. I'm not sure. But you're gonna, if, you're gonna, yeah, a lot of unanswered questions. A lot of unanswered questions. But I think <laughs> if you just think about it, it's a possibility that they don't. So if they don't make the playoffs again next year, then that pick just rolls over into a second rounder. And I think that is something. If we're, if we're sitting here a year from now and the Wolves haven't made the playoffs again, you're going to look back on that and, one, just be like, that Adrian Payne trade is the worst thing that was so bad. But <laughs> how it all transpired, specifically in making the A seed, losing in five games to the Rockets, there's a revisionist history there to say, well, maybe that wasn't that great. I don't know. But then you're, you're prolonging the, the not making the playoffs – who knows where Cat's head's at? I, I'm just I'm just laying out the other side of it. Right. I'm with you, Dave. I, I think it was good. It was, and I've said that and I've rescinded my opinion of like the the two picks, but that is the other side of it. No, there, there's definitely an argument to be made for that. But I mean, how many years are you going to constantly <laughs> just be talking about picks? I mean, that's, yeah. at some point you've got to get in and you've got to try to make forward progress and not worry about mm-hmm. you know, hey. Oh man, if we could have had that pick, you know, Michael Porter Jr. Once he, once he gets healthy, he could be a stud. <laughs> and you know, and I, yeah. I mean, you can't, you just can't do that. You'll go crazy doing yeah. that. No, I, I agree. I'm just, I'm simply laying it out there because I, a second, if if that pain thing becomes a second round pick, well, it's a lot. And that's the thing. And and you know, flip. God, God rest his soul. I wish he was still here. I miss Same. him every day. He was a tremendous uh, person to be around. And dare I say. You know, we had developed a friendship and, you know, I, 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 I wish he was still here. I wish that the team could have followed the trajectory that he was on his vision. But, I, I do but too. he was, but he was not perfect. That Adrian Payne trade was, uh, and, and, and also and, and nobody's perfect. And, nobody's and, perfect. And, I'm not, I'm not ripping on flip for that. Right. Like every GM go down the list. They right. have an Adrian Payne. Trade. Right. And he also, you know, he also, I, I don't know. He, he, I don't think anybody ever really talks about the fact that, you know, he, he gave away Thad Young. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that was that was kind of that came in the deal along with Andrew and, um, you know, basically he gave him away to bring KG back. And, right. you know, I mean, it was great to have KG back. But was that really uh, was it, that it really, was more than a basketball trade? Right. It yeah, was more yeah. than a basketball trade. Yeah. yeah. So I guess I don't know that you if you if you just look at it from a basketball standpoint, mm-hmm. it was not forward progress. But you're right to bring him I, back was, you know, in terms of it was it was bigger than just what happened on the court. I think what we've learned is these guys want to have kind of the splash move, right? It was trading for Jimmy Butler and all that excitement on draft night. And people will forget about that because of everything else that transpired. But for a moment there, everyone was talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves and it wasn't what happened in like the 09 draft or something like that. And the uh, and that's a credit to Flip's vision. Yeah, no. Oh, and, yeah. And, right. I mean, that that night being in the, the arena it, you know, there's, especially if you watch KG in his prime, there, there's just, it's almost like Tiger winning, honestly, the yeah. Masters. I'm not quite that far, <laughs> but there is this kind of like nostalgia that. No, that, Jiggly Boy was in the house. Yeah, the yeah, coach yeah. was in the house. I mean, that was an amazing, amazing night. Yeah. And, um, you know, so from that standpoint, and, and you know what? I love, I, and I'd love to see Ryan do this. I don't know uh, if he'll come back. And, and, you know, Ryan and Jim Pete and I actually had, have brought this up. So I don't know whether or not it would be possible. But when he did that, when 
inflicted the dunks after dark thing to open training awesome. camp down in Mankato. That was awesome. That was really fun. Now it was granted that was a young team. You know, you had Levine and you had Andrew and and they so you had the youth and um but I mean that was really fun. Can you imagine like to do that at the barn? Mm-hmm. Like how cool would that right. be? Well they did it. So they did dunks after dark and then the next year they did it at Target Center. Do you remember that? Or it was like no, a, I thought they did a full, just like a full scrimmage. Scrimmage, yeah. yeah it wasn't did, dunks after dark. But it wasn't dunks, dunks after dark. But I remember I, I went to that as a fan, and it, it was it was just like it was overflow. It filled up because it was free, right? And everybody came in, and it was like I would. That's I w- interesting. I, I would be, you know, if if Ryan is the full time head coach, I would say probably uh, it's more likely than not that some. Of that sort stuff. of event like that will That's happen awesome. to start training camp. Yeah. And I, I think I, I'm of the mindset that I, I believe, you know, Ryan's going to be back. And I think that can totally work with a they hire it's, a it's, great Pobo and hire a, a more experienced assistant. Like, I don't have trepidations that that can It's also work. who is on his bench. I think in some ways Ryan has made the right moves because he's kind of the foil to Tibbs, right? I think he saw Tibbs' mistakes front and center and was like, yeah, I need to, you know, I need to involve the bench, all this. I think he also understands you have to create the right culture. And I think this is what this all comes back to is if you, Mm -hmm. if you have a culture of just constantly talking about tanking and the picks and the promise for the future, I mean, you could go back to like the L Jefferson era and there was this, well, they have so many young players. They have to get good, right? Half the teams make the playoffs. That's not necessarily true though. As we learned, I think, Tibbs missed that whole boat. It was like, mm-hmm. again, he thought the winning would solve everything, and at least to the extent that they won when he was here, that's obviously not true. I, I think, and we'll we'll move into got some mailbag questions, but there was a, a handful of them that were just uh, that I'll kind of lump together, and it was it, it was kind of about that. It's like what what can the Timberwolves organization do to you know further engage season ticket holders and to and to bring people back into what is still an enticing team. I mean, you have Cat. You have a 23-year-old star on this team. You know, what is or what is going to happen? Like, in, in your opinion, like, we talk about all the time of, like, where is the franchise going to be in three or four years? Like, from a roster construction standpoint, I think another interesting question is, like, where is this fan base and where is this organization going to be? Because I do think that you talk, you said, like, oh nine. I mean, they have made massive strides from a marketing standpoint, from a fan engagement standpoint, because it would they were in the serious. I mean, like when you came, Dave, like it was they were they were kind of lost. I mean, the the KG thing shook them. They they missed a bunch of picks. So I, I think they're taking steps in the right direction. What what more do you think like can happen or will happen as far as? engagement with the, yeah, the fan base. I, I mean, I think the bottom line is consistency. Yeah. I mean, that's what they need more than anything. I've been with the team. I just finished my seventh season and Rick Adelman was the head coach for two years, then flip, then Sam Mitchell and then Tibbs and then Ryan. I mean, so, you know, and, and I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, and I've been, I'm longer tenured now than any player on the roster, but, you know, I mean, you know, Gorgie Jang is the longest tenured player on the Timberwolves roster now. And it's like, you know, to, to have all that and try to keep it all straight. And I think, so. I think consistency. And I think that, you know, part of it, that's got to trickle down to the fans. You know, the fans don't know what to expect from day in and day out. And you look at a team like, 
you know, Boston, where Brad Stevens has been there now for six, seven years, you mm -hmm. know, and, 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 you know, you, you look at Los Angeles, you know, you know, Doc's there. You look at Portland and it's Terry Stotts. You look at Denver. Uh, I mean, not Denver, you look at Dallas and it's Rick Carlisle. You look yeah. at Miami, it's Eric Spolstra, you know, and so to be able to build a consistency so that fans can kind of get used to something, I think that there's an importance with that. And that's why it's so important this off season to be able to, to, to get these decisions right for the long-term future of the team so that there can be consistency. And I think when you consistency at the top of the organization and with your, with your president of basketball ops and yep. your head coach, and then you get consistency with, you know, keeping your star players. Uh, I, I think that, you know, that is really at the end of the day, what's going to bring the fans back. Anything else is just kind of moving deck chairs around. Right. Uh, like a, a positive snowball yeah. effect. Yeah. And, and I, I do think it, it, it starts at the top by, nailing this pobo or whoever that's going to be with a vision, not just for how do we get the most out of cap, but how do we get the most out of this franchise? Because there's so much more to be tapped into. Like this is a basketball city well, in, in a it, lot of ways. And that's why the other thing, you know, we talked at the beginning about guys sticking around for the summer. Right. I think, you know, not only is it good for them, but how great would it be for Twins fans to see up on the Jumbotron like, hey, yeah. Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins and Joshua Kogi, they're all hanging out in a suite today watching the Twins game. Yep. And, you know, they put them up and everybody like to see that and to see like, hey, they're they're fully invested. They're part of the community. Mm -hmm. I think there's a, a lot to be said for that as well. I, I, I think so. And and really, it's it, all it's been is like Tyus recently. And obviously it's because he's lives, lives here. here. He's, from, yeah. he's from here. And yeah. I, I I do, and I, I think when, when you look, you just listed a lot of the great teams, and they they have that consistency, and that born out of that consistency is a is a culture, that culture word that we were talking about before, and I I don't think that's totally just a, a fake, you know, fluffy word that we use. Like that matters w when you talk about teams who like Denver make this jump out of. Being like, okay, solid team, but to, to make a quantum leap, like it is about more than the sum of the parts and the way that you massage the mid-level exception and the, all this and that to get the, like, there is a personal element of this that is between the players, it's between the coaches and it's between the fan base and they need to start finding a way to connect all that. And then I think because you have cat, that quantum leap is is absolutely possible. Well, and the other thing is when you have the consistency, you know, I mean, look at Dallas didn't have a very good year this year, but there's nobody in Dallas saying, hey, <laughs> we need to get rid of Rick Carlisle and right. this team doesn't know what it's doing. It's like they're smart enough to realize, okay, this team's in a rebuilding cycle, but you know what? Next year we're coming back with year two of Luca, and we're going to have Porzingis and, you know, same thing in Miami. I mean, they missed the playoffs this year, but nobody's being like, oh, suppose yeah. got to go. You know, so it's like you, when you build that consistency, then you, you, you get a little faith in the fan base that, okay, you know, fans are realistic. They understand you're not going to, you know, at some point the Warriors uh, ascension is going to, is going to come to earth as well, you know, but, but you build up the goodwill so that people realize, okay, you know what, it's, it's now we're in a rebuilding phase. And, but when you haven't had that consistency and you don't have, you know, the, the goodwill built up, it's hard to be able to, to give a team a pass. And it can just be a building phase. Like, Everyone's building, and except for the champion, or like maybe the well, the Warriors the final did build. Four. They went and got the best player from the team they beat at the Western Conference <laughs> Finals. <laughs> and, and to that point, though, those fans know Curry's probably going to be there, and Clay and Kerr, and I mean, there's consistency even if 
one of their best players leaves for New York next year. I think of what Flip did bringing the the team to the state fair. It was a very Minnesota centric thing, Mm -hmm. and also, but you have to have one vision, not just to build the roster and all this stuff, which is obviously very important. But also, when do we need the players to be here? And uh, you know, what freedom do we give them in the off season? And kind of how do we? How do you explain to people who aren't from here why it's important to show up at the state fair? You know what I mean? And yeah. at a very warm, t- you know, it's August. It's really warm here and stuff. I, I think. Well, and Ryan gets that. Yeah, uh, for sure. In the same way flipped it because he's from Minnesota. And the thing about Ryan, I think a lot of people, you know, outsiders will look at him and be like, well, Ryan's 32. It's like Ryan's been on an NBA bench for 10 years. And mm-hmm. before that, he was, you know, an assistant on the Gophers bench with Tubby Smith, who was a pretty darn good college basketball coach. Mm-hmm. And he's been around coaching his whole life and he knows so many people. And, you know, so... Listen, people on Twitter, oh, you guys are Ryan apologists. It's like, you know what? I'm I'm not going to say I'm a Ryan apologist, but I will say I'm a Ryan Saunders fan. And I, you know, I would love to see him have the job on a full-time basis and and be able to see what he can do. And I do think that he is qualified to be able to get a shot and get a fair shot at really being able to run a team that's healthy and that has gone through a whole training camp with him. I I absolutely co-sign that. Um, We have some mailbag-ish questions here that I, I put out on Twitter and just see how many of them we can kind of run through quickly here. This is kind of along the same lines, but this is from Gabby D. Um, with all the negative things people have heard about behind the scenes, I'd love to hear some positive behind the scenes stuff. Or And Tyler M. kind of echoes this. He goes, does Dave have stories from his kind of front row seat to the franchise of I don't like positivity. I mean, that, that is there. I, I, I see that in the locker room. I, I mean, I see funny inter, I mean, before the, the last game of the season, the whole team was in the locker room before the game and they were all quizzing Luol Dang about game of Thrones characters. And, and it's like, I, I don't know, like th- there are these fun, positive things that, that are going on. And I, I understand the frustrations with Tibbs and, with the organization to some degree, but I don't know. Do you have an, has anything kind of come to your head when you, when you think of that question? Well, I mean, it's tough for me to answer the question fairly. And the reason I say that is because Tibbs kept everything so closed that I can't tell you what happened with this team behind closed doors with Tibbs. Mm-hmm. I did, we, you know, I mean, did we see a different, more jovial, more caring, more supportive coach than we saw during the game on the sidelines? I've heard reports that that is the case, mm-hmm. um, but I can't say that it that that was or wasn't the case. But you know, I could I can only say what I see with what's going on with Ryan. I can tell you this: you know, getting on the plane after a win or a loss with Tibbs, like I said, there were times that it was you could feel the tension in the air, and with Ryan. I'm not going to say after a loss that people were jovial and that they got a pass, but with Ryan, it was like, okay, you know what, we're going to get him next time. And, you Mm -hmm. know, and let's look at the things we did wrong and let's, you know, not repeat those mistakes. Now, you know, unfortunately on the defensive end, a lot of those mistakes were repeated regularly, far Mm -hmm. too regularly. And I I know that nobody knows that, but more than Ryan. Um, But I can't, it's hard for me to give a thorough answer to that without having seen both sides of the coin. Right. That's fair. But I mean, under Ryan, I I think you tapped into it under Ryan. You did. I mean, the one thing that I I noticed that you're doing is you're allowed to go into practice or shoot arounds now and, and watch what's actually happening. And that's, 
literally not being behind closed doors anymore. The well, door and, is and, open and, and you can go in. And Ryan will come back, you know, to the back of the plane and talk with Jim and I. And, you know, most of our conversations are, you know, things that I'm not going to repeat. But, mm-hmm. you know, we'll it's not always even about basketball. You know, we'll, yep. we'll talk about the NCAA tournament. You know, it's mm-hmm. like we're, we're, we're actually, hey, we're all in this together. We're, Ryan looks at Ryan looks at everybody from the players, the staff, the front office, you know, that the, the, there will be people that come on the trip sometimes that, you know, handle ticket sales or, yeah. or, you know, and they're schmoozing big clients or whatever. Whoever you are, Ryan looks at it, we're all part of the same family. Yeah. And, you know, he makes everybody feel that way. And that part is definitely a complete 180 from what it was like before. Well, and, and I can, as somebody who's literally not part of the family, I'm not a, a Timberwolves employee, but I'm there and a member of the media and myself, and you're going to say the Krasinski's, Chris, Jace, Britt, whoever, all the, the people who are around, like we've had those moments with Ryan too. And like for me, what it ends up being is that like you said the NCAA tournament, like he and I will, you know, talk about other things we're seeing around the league and which teams are interesting and, and this and that. And like, it is to some degree, is he, you know, pat me on the back a little bit or something? Like, sure, but it does feel genuine. Like, it, it, there is, there's more of a of a relationship there, and he gets that my job is to to point out what is going well, and also to be like, yeah, some things didn't go well. like he, you know, he gets that, and, and, and it's and it's just more fair. Like Tibbs, Tibbs didn't want that. He just he just wanted all. I don't know what he even wanted. He wanted nothing. He wanted no media coverage. Like he wanted Timberwolves.com, and that's it. And I, d- I don't even know for sure that he wanted Timberwolves. Uh, yeah, he, just, but, he just wanted the games televised. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. And I just think it's it's important. And when we talk about that culture and building it up and, and spreading spreading the wings out, it's it's about getting more people to watch Wolves Weekly. It's about getting more people to tune, tune in to FSN, and it's about getting more people to listen to this podcast and to and to and to read the things that are on the Athletic or in the Star Tribune. Like there, the media is the microphone. To, to the team, which draws in more and more attention to the team. And well, at the end and, of the day, that's and, and a good listen, thing. Listen, to be fair uh, to Tibbs, you know, I mean, he didn't have one uh, 100% ownership on the let's circle the wagons philosophy. I mean, there's a lot of coaches, you know, yeah. there were, there were things that happened, you know, under, under when, when Sam Mitchell was the head coach and Milt Newton was here and there was, it had been a rumor that, you know, Ricky Rubio was, was on the trading block and, you know, Jim and I, it came up on our broadcast and, you know, after the fact, I remember Milt Newton coming up to me and being like, you know, what, you, you guys, I, I don't want to get into the specifics, but Milt yeah. wasn't happy with what we had said. And, you know, I said to Milt, I said, well, we have no problem putting out the message that you want to be put out, but yep. we kind of need to know what that message is. Yep. And, you know, and so it, that's that's the hard part when you're not on the inner circle you know, and, and kind of even, you know, with um, with an injury situation, if there's a player that's hurt, you know, and we're not in the loop, we might be starting to be like, hey, this guy's close to coming back. And really, he's not close to coming back, but we don't know. You know, so uh, so when those things happen, it's yeah. it's much sometimes it's as important for things that Jim and I don't say yeah. as to what we do say. But we have to be in the loop to be able mm-hmm. to get that message out. Well, I remember last season, Nemina Bielitsa was day-to-day, and he missed 16 straight games. Like, that, that isn't day-to-day. Yeah, week-to-week. Like, that's what Tib said. And then, obviously, the one everyone jumps on is the general soreness. Like, 
there, there is an element of transparency that just helps but, you. By the way, do we all know now, is the story well known about why Jim broke up cracking up on air on the, uh, the General Soreness night? Did you see that? I mean, I know a lot of people. Wait, know, like, wait, the, what? <laughs> So the night of the the night of the Derrick Rose fifty point game, yeah, uh, the beginning of the broadcast. Um, so, so Jimmy had been ruled out with general soreness, and it was on Halloween. And I had actually been listening to K Fan earlier in the day, which I've been told by the way, it's they they don't like K Fan. It has to be K F A N, which makes no huh. sense to me. But anyway, so that's not going to stick. Uh, yeah. So um, so I was listening to them, and somebody called in and said, "Hey, I want to thank Jimmy Butler because he's given me my Halloween costume idea for today. I'm going to dress up as General Soreness." <laughs> So then I don't know if I don't know if that's where the seeds from this were planted or whatever, but we get to the arena and like 10 minutes before tip off, Jim shows me a picture that somebody had texted him of Jimmy as a general and it said general soreness. Someone had that as like their Twitter bio. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, yeah. so it was general soreness. So Jimmy shows me this. So we go on the air. And so I'm going through, and usually when we start the broadcast, we'll do like three bullet points. We usually call it set the stage. And the third bullet point for the game was, and our third uh, point tonight uh, is our Sanford Health Injury Report. Uh, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy will not play tonight to rest as a precaution against general soreness. And I said general soreness just like that, kind of like yeah. as if it was a person. <laughs> it's so... Jim and I both instantly, our heads automatically flash to the picture of Jimmy as General Zornis, and Jim just dies laughing. Like, we come out on camera, and we're live, <laughs> and, and we're on camera, and Jim is just like, he's laughing. He can't even get a word, and he's like, oh, man. <laughs> like, if anybody has leaked fast, go back yeah. and watch the beginning of the broadcast. Halloween. Oh, man. It was so, and, and like, so he, stayed, so he starts getting the Googles now. I'm dying laughing. I can't even talk. And so it was just, um, that was, and, and, you know, so many people were, t were tweeting at us, what were you guys laughing about? So that's what we were laughing that's about. We were laughing about the general soreness picture. I, I think the, the thing with Flip was like this and Ryan is as well. They're very engaging. They, they just kind of want your attention. And I think if, you, if you're running a program or a head coach of a program, Flip always was selling it, right? Even though you knew that there was just a base of people that would always support the Timberwolves because they like basketball and they're in Minnesota. I think I think that's that's the biggest contrast with Tibbs. Tibbs was absolutely not engaging. In fact, he kind of like he had that monster laugh and stuff. I mean, there was times where he, there was something kind of funny about Tibbs. Have you not been watching ESPN Tibbs? Oh my god, him giggling was probably the funniest thing I've ever seen. The, on live the crazy television. part is though, uh, when the few times that I did get Tibbs like away from the court, and I mean. Totally had great conversations yeah. with him just talking about other random stuff. But it's like when he just – when he flipped the switch and went into that coach mode, totally a different person. But, mm -hmm. you know, he – he could be engaging and he could be endearing. And he, he did, he was, I mean, obviously he didn't get to the point that he got to without being extremely astute at basketball and extreme. I, I, I will never doubt his passion. I mean, that he absolutely 100% wanted to win. Um, and he was very aware of other things that were going on. I mean, at one point he brought up to me something about, you know, graduated ticket prices and you know kind of uh, and and better ways to get fans to come to games based upon ticketing and prices and got into this whole you know formula that the Mavericks were using and how he thought the Timberwolves should apply it and it was like it came out of left field to hear him talking like that so he was very aware of the other things that were going on yeah. um you know it was just sometimes he he 
couldn't help but get get in his own way, unfortunately. Well, I, I don't question for a second that he was a, a worker and being both sides of the equation, the, the coaching side and the the president of the organization side. Right. I, I think he absolutely dedicated himself, you know, to this job, which now, I mean, with other sort of things have kind of come to light after Tibbs have been fired up, like with Magic is an example. Like Magic Johnson, I, I, I don't think the amount of work Magic put into that job is a tenth of what Tibbs did. Or, or you think about there's that big Phoenix Suns kind of expose by ESPN.com of kind of what's going on in that organization and, and the general manager there, you know, being a very passive general manager, not doing the scouting. Like, I think Tibbs was absolutely putting in the work. I think what he, my guess would be, or what I've heard, is he needed to empower more people to share some of that load, whether that be assistant coaches, whether that be other members of the, of the front office. But as an individual worker, like this is no breaking news. Like Tibbs busted his ass on the the magic point. I, I I don't know if this is true. I don't even know for sure where I heard it, but somebody, (laughs) somebody told me that uh, the running joke in the Lakers front office was that people would walk into work and they'd yell, they'd yell magic. Hey magic. (laughs) And there would never be any response (laughs) because he was never in the office. Yeah. That's the thing with like the wolves, and I, I think about this as kind of every one of those sort of stories come out, and everyone's like, ah, oh, this is a couple of years ago. It looked like the team was going in this direction and that, and now we've at best kind of plateaued. But at the same time, like these hiccups come all around the league all the time, and the thing and I've already said it on this podcast, but I say all the time is you do have cat. And you have him under contract for five years. And I know everyone wants to say the Anthony Davis, whatever, three, four years down the road from now. But you have Cat. And because of that, there are greener pastures ahead. I would be shocked if the Wolves don't win more than the 36 games they won this season next year. I mean, even with the same exact team as it's constituted, as long as they're healthy, I mean, Mm -hmm. they've got to be a a, a low 40s win team. I, I totally Agree with that. And I mean, I, Rob Covington was yeah. all, all, first team all defense last year. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's huge. So we have another question. This is from Max, and he goes, "Where do you see the Wolves going over the next five years? Essentially, in that in that cat window." And I, I kind of thought of a, a specific team, but you just kind of have a, I don't know, a general outlook of of where that where this team can go over the next handful of years. I mean, I don't see any reason why this team can't be next year knocking on the door of being back in the playoffs or hopefully being back in the playoffs. And, you mm-hmm. know, if you get a c- couple of pieces around you, I mean, you know, Gorgie's, would, was Gorgie's contract will, you know, be coming off the books at some point. Teague is going to, you know, be coming off the books. And, I mean, you know, when Teague was healthy and when he had double-digit assists, they were nearly unbeatable this year. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, I think that this team, hey, next year get back in the playoffs, the following year be trying to compete for home court in the playoffs, and hopefully, you know, the, the three-year plan is to be in contention to, to you know, try to get to the finals. I, I, I don't think that that's ridiculous at all. And the I was just kind of like, you know, skimming the standings for like, what, you know, who, who could I see a, a, a similar path be? And the player and team I kind of latched onto was Damian Lillard and the, and the Blazers. And so I kind of like went back and Lillard, he, I think he was in college for three or four years. So he's a little bit older than cat. But if you look at what happened with the Blazers after his third year, 
LaMarcus Aldridge left. And uh, that was, it was an easier separation than the Jimmy Butler thing. But that's the same thing for Cap. It was after his third year, and the Blazers fell back seven wins that next, sort of, that next season after Aldridge was gone, naturally. The Wolves fell back further because more chaos. But still, behind Lillard, who is a superstar, not the best player in the league, but a, a superstar, in, in the same way that I, I can see Cat falling into, into that position, I think they've done a good job of putting some pieces around him to get the most out of a team that is totally Dame's team. And I think the even more optimistic turn of that is that the Wolves are in their like very contentious financial situation right now. With the Blazers, they're currently in it, and Dame's 28. Like, a couple years from now, the Wolves have potential to have much more flexibility around Cat when he's 25. And I, I don't – now, I don't know. Maybe some people think the Blazers is underwhelming. That They aren't a finals contender. But that is what a – they, But they've been in the playoffs, what, six out of the last seven years or whatever? I mean, you and know. I mean, in the – I mean, this year they right. could go to the conference finals. Sure. Yeah. Like, that. I don't think that's, that's out of the question. So that is what I think – can and will happen with a good coach and with good management of this team because I personally think Cat is on Lillard's level or, or has the potential to be on Lillard's level. And then when you talk about all those cultural things, you talk about the quantum leap and, yeah, you got to like – maybe you got to find somebody in the draft and maybe you got to get a little bit of luck here and there. Or you got to develop a guy. guy. I mean, Jim yeah. and I have talked about that. I mean, is Cam Reynolds a guy you can develop? I mean, mm-hmm. you know – I mean, I've seen enough of Cameron Ellis to tell you I want to see more. Totally. You know, so it's like that you've got to you've got to develop a guy. I mean, look at Pascal Siakam for Toronto. I mean, you know, he was what the twentieth or twenty first pick in the draft, and mm-hmm. it's like kind of right about where Okogi was. It's yep. like, you know, can you develop a guy into more than what people thought he was going to be? Exactly. Because you you need that no matter what. You you have to have that to be able to succeed. And and I think you bring up. Bringing up Cam and Okogi is is wise because you look at those guys are on tiny contracts and you have them for a while. Like even Cam signed this deal that's you know like non guaranteed for the next couple of years. But if you want to keep him around, he proves he's an NBA player. Like you got an NBA player locked in on the cheapest possible contract you can have. Same thing with Okogi. Same thing with Bates Diop. Like find one of those guys to be your Siakam and find another one of them to be your OG and Anobi. And then and you have me, a, a team around them. And tell me those guys aren't going to be working their butts off this summer because Absolutely. all of them are going to be thinking, okay, I want to stay, I want to stay in this rotation, you know, mm-hmm. and I want to prove I belong in the league, you know, not just that I was getting playing time because the team was hurt and they didn't have any bodies, you know? So I, I, I think that, you know, it's going to be training camp is going to be very interesting. Mm-hmm. And, when does that start? How, how many months away are we from that? Like September? Six. I mean, you're going to travel the whole world before we get there. <laughs> so. I don't, I'm not quite sure you're going to survive and be back for next season. <laughs> I think I'll be okay. <laughs> um, we're up at about an hour now. Is there any other sort of things that it, you'd like to talk about or you know, say the fans probably be your last time? I don't know. Not that you're hitting well, hitting the masses here I mean, at the Dane yeah. Moore podcast. But. You know, I don't really have any words of wisdom other than just, you know, what I, I kind of tweeted out when the season ended. I mean, I I appreciate the fans for mm-hmm. sticking through this team. I mean, I this was this was a difficult year. It was a difficult year all the way around um, with so many things that, that happened from the Jimmy trade to Tibbs, you know, 
being, you know, uh, being released of his duties and, you know, Ryan coming in and all the injuries. And um, I can understand fans are frustrated. Fans, you know, there are fans who were like, hey, this was a big step backwards. Last year we were making the playoffs and we were thinking this was going to be our year and we we're going to move forward and be, you know, a contender. And to have all that fall apart, that's tough. But, you know, the, the fans stood by this team for, for the most part. And, um, you know, and hopefully they're going to get rewarded for it. And, you know, we appreciate, you know, the, the, them coming out and supporting this team. There, I think there's frustration from the fan base, but there is engagement. And I think that's that's huge. And that's that engagement has been here for a long time. I mean, you look at the Timberwolves blogosphere, that is, when you think about Canis Hoopas and those places that have had, you know, people locked in on this team through a tough decade, not just a year. And I do think that this group of fans that have connected to it once those greener pastures do come, I mean, it's going to be cool to be rewarded for that. As you're a person, you're going to be able to, if the Wolves are in the conference finals or the NBA finals, and be like, remember when we were sitting around and like debating on a message board about like Mikel Jellabale or like what Nikola <laughs> Pekovic could be, like stuff like that. And I think that will be cool. I mean, I put out this um, uh, thing on Twitter for like questions, right? And this dude, I should have his name. I don't have it up in front of me sent me a seven-page, single-spaced, 54 bullet points of things that isn't, like, that he feels aren't, you know, discussed enough in the fan base. And I know that's one person, and maybe that seems like a ton, but there are people who are, like, deeply engaged with the Minnesota Timberwolves, despite the general soreness, despite the (laughs) Tibbs mess, despite all that. I mean, I'm in all seriousness, like, that is... That is a cool thing. And I, I've kind of shared this story before. I'm a, I don't know if I've talked to you about this, but I'm a Chicago Cubs fan and grew up like WGN and I watched. I was at the Bartman game. You were? Really? I was. I was, at, I was at the Bartman game. It was, uh, now we're going to totally go off on a tangent, but yeah, that was, uh, that was crazy, man. I was working in uh, Indianapolis and we were owned by Tribune and there's obviously a huge Cubs following in Indy because it's not that far. Mm-hmm. And so they... Uh, Nick, the Cubs were still owned by Tribune at the time. So Tribune was over the moon about the Cubs. Sure. And they were like, hey, you know, you guys can go cover the Cubs in the playoffs. So I, I was at every Cubs playoff game for that playoff run. And uh, yeah, it was that the, the, the Bartman game was crazy, man. It was uh, anybody who, anybody who, and, and, and God, it's hard to believe it was 2003. So I mean, there's people that are 16 years old now that were not alive when mm-hmm. the Bartman thing happened. But, um, Anybody who wasn't at that game, you know, everybody else will say afterwards, oh, Alex Gonzalez booted the double play ball. Well, yeah, he booted the double play ball <laughs> because the energy in the entire universe just shifted. It did a one. I mean, it was like people were going crazy. The Cubs are okay. going to the World Series and there's this electricity in the air to all of a sudden a balloon just popped and you just doused everybody with water. I mean, and it was, it was palpable. Terrible. So and, and, and I'm sure the players felt it. You know, anyway, I went off on a no, tangent about no, that. No, so my, my thing is, and it's a it's a, line, a parallel that I draw between my Cubs fanhood and, and then also now what I do with the Timberwolves and what I see from the fan base is, like, I was, a, as a kid, like, obsessed with the Cubs. And, you know, I was there, like, through all that, like, even before that, like, Sosa and everything, like, I, I, I love that. And I was so, so engaged with the Cubs. And shortly after, kind of, like, the bubble popped and the Bartman thing and the Cubs kind of fell into this doldrums again. Um, and I got a little bit older, an adult, like my fanhood kind of dissipated. And like, I didn't 
like all the Cubs games weren't on my TV. I needed to like buy MLB extra innings or whatever. And I, I disengaged from the Cubs some, and I do regret that to some degree because in 2016, obviously they won the world series and I went down there and crazy story for a different time, got tickets to, to go to that game, the first game at Wrigley field of the world series and in forever. And it was part of me was sitting there. I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like I'm here at the world series. This is like my childhood dream. But I also go, you know, kind of for 10 years, I haven't been a great Cubs fan. Right. It felt, you know what it I'm felt saying? disingenuous to you because you yeah. were like, eh, I kind of gave up on, but now, 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 now they're cool. They're winning again. I'm back. Yeah. So it's just like, I, I think about that with the Timberwolves and I think about that with the fans who have been like stuck with it. And if, I don't know, it's really hard to win a championship in the NBA. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I don't know if Cats can be able about, to do it. Let's just want a playoff series. Yeah. Once that stuff starts happening. Start there. That, uh, yeah. Let's win a playoff series. But don't you think that is going to feel so rewarding? I mean, even, even the Wolves in six was hilarious. Like there was yeah. something about that. I was at a bar and I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it's, when your team is in the playoffs and you have watched all 80, or 70 of the 82 games, I mean, you can't. It's sweet. How much more fun is it when your team is in it? I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, the NCAA tournament. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, a, a, a grad from the University of Buffalo or, <laughs> you know, North Dakota State or whatever. It's like your team is in it. You're like, hey, we're in it. We got right. a chance. And then the second your team goes out, it becomes far less interesting. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I don't know. Um, yeah. And this just kind of a, a programming note before we sign off. This will, I've said this on the last couple of pods, we're going to, now as the Timberwolves literally won't be doing anything for the next month, we're going to pivot into just talking about the NBA playoffs and that'll be Tom, Charlie and I will get together on Thursday, two days from now. And we'll start, we're going to talk about the Bucks and Celtics on that one. And we'll just kind of go into the NBA playoffs and then we will loop back into whatever's happening with the draft and free agency come, I guess, June uh, when that happens, and uh, once Dave, you're done traveling the world, and maybe the <laughs> the Timberwolves have a couple new players. Well, well if you're we'll have you if back you're in on. Vegas for summer league, I I'll don't know. May, maybe I'll be in Vegas. I haven't made up my mind yet, but uh, do it. It's but so if, great. Oh, I, I've been, and I haven't been in the last couple of years, so I'm kind of itching to go back. Because you know, I mean, why wouldn't I want to be in 120 degrees in the middle? Dude, of it's hey, not it's that 60. bad. Don't no. say that. No, I hate I'm kidding. That no, listen, says that. I do. I do love it. I I, I love going to Vegas. It's, you're in the gym all day, and then you're in the hotel, and it's. I mean, the basketball itself leaves a lot to be desired, but yeah. it's uh, but it's a fun environment to be in. Yes, go. So, so maybe we can connect and uh, there we go. do something. That's then. not that's not that long away. That's July. We'll, yeah. we'll get back there. Okay. Thank you for the times that you did this podcast this year, and I know I speak on behalf of everyone who watched a lot of tough Timberwolves games. As you should know, you and Jim make that a much more uh, enjoyable experience than sometimes it might be otherwise, and you guys are both, and your whole team, Vanessa, Marty, Leah B., everyone, I mean, is best in the business I watch a lot of league pass and there's a lot of times where I mute it. And, um, <laughs> you guys, you guys tow the line of intellect, um, fun and engagement for 48 minutes. And that's, I think that's something that you, uh, you all should be proud of. And that's something I know you see on Twitter all the time that the people love what it is that you bring to this team. So thank you for that. Well, that's high praise. I thank you very much. And um, yeah, and it's always fun coming on with you guys. And uh, my only my only thought on this podcast is Michael needs to talk more. It's all good. <laughs> oh, that's a shot. And with that, that is our, uh, that is 
the end of this episode, we'll be back on Thursday and um, we'll uh, we'll talk to you then about the NBA playoffs. Thank you again, Dave. Until next time, Dave is at TweetDaveBenz, at tshire 3 I'm at Dane or NBA and follow all of our stuff at Zone Coverage. Oh, hey, one quick one thing. thing. Yeah, since you're giving me a thing. If, if, uh, I don't have a ton of Instagram followers, and I'm not trying to get a ton of Instagram <laughs> followers, but I'm only putting this out there because I am documenting this crazy month that I'm going yes. on. So I I'm, just I'm, made the story, I think. Yeah, yeah, you did. So, so, my, my cousin. Uh, so it's Dave Ben's Insta if you want to like see my <laughs> my this crazy month that, uh, that I'm going on that's going to take me all awesome. over the world. I'm doing a little snippet every day. At Dave Ben's Insta. Cool. Um Follow all of us, and um, we'll we'll stay on top of whatever is happening with the Wolves that's on coverage. So, uh, yeah, until next time, peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah.